Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. I hope you guys are ready for an emotional (laughs) roller coaster because at least that's what's happened to Emily and I today. And this episode is no exception. Today, we're having on Haley Williams. She built a bridal accessory boutique online and through wholesale. And she ultimately ended up selling that business because the passion no longer aligned with what she wanted to be doing. Yeah. So we talk about kind of the thought process, the year long thought process that Haley went through when she was kind of waking up and realizing that the thing that she built with her own hands was something that she didn't love anymore. And what did that mean? And and what could she do with it? How could she take advantage of opportunities around her to make sure that that business didn't die and it didn't you know go away and disappear? We talk a lot about letting our identity as creatives go. And I think stuff gets a little heavy. There's a couple of really, really good quotes throughout this episode that personally like stabbed me in the gut of the transition of being really closely tied to the work that I create and the business that we've built as like who I am as a worthy person. And so if you've battled with that and kind of figured out that it's really hard to let some of that stuff go. I think this will also help you even if you're not wanting to sell your business because I know that's, that's, that's a big thing for people that not even a lot of people do. But we go into kind of the ins and outs behind that. But a lot, a lot of thought processes behind this giant transition of what does it mean to pivot and grow and let stuff go. So I hope you find this enlightening and helpful if you're going through any sort of similar process. Hey, Haley, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. We are super excited to have another Kansas City, Kansas person in our region (laughs) on the show today. We were just talking about before we hit record that it's, I think it would be dream scenario for us to have like a beautiful podcast studio that we like invited you into our space and we lounged and did the whole thing together, but we're lazy. 
And yep. this is better. This is it easier. Is. It's easier. <laughs> it's it's just better. It's better. Yes. So thanks for joining from the comfort of your own home. I'm excited to chat today. We, we've we never talked about this conversation. I think it's kind of been brought up in our community and in our own business. And it's an, I feel like a natural progression that happens for a lot of business owners. But today we're talking about like, what do you do when you wake up and you realize that the thing that you've built and that you love isn't really serving you anymore? And what do you do? That happened for you. Yeah, it did. Yes, it did. Yeah. So I guess like kind of, if I can start back to, you know, where the story ends, starting from a little bit of the beginning, I'll, I'll give the cliff note version is that when I got married, when I was planning my wedding, I decided, you know, I don't really like any of the stuff that I'm seeing on Etsy for my bridesmaids. I wanted to make my own hair pieces and, you know, back before kids and responsibilities, I was like, like, I'm just going to craft and make some stuff. And so that was really fun. And some friends noticed and were like, oh, hey, can you make, can you make that for me? That would be perfect and order their custom colors. And so it was like flower fascinators that would clip in your hair and veils and little clip on shoe accents and all kinds of little fun stuff. And so that happened. And I was like, well, I'm going to list a couple of these things on Etsy because I didn't really find what I was looking for. And so I did that and, you know, they sold within a week or two. And so I relisted them. And then I was like, well, hey, I could make a couple more pieces. So I'll do that. And slowly, organically just started growing an inventory of bridal accessories. You know, I'm I'm a journalism grad from KU. So I had I had a job in web design. I was living in DC at the time, working full time. I had no intention at all of starting my own business. I mean, it wasn't I think I was raised in an entrepreneurial environment. So I kind of, I thought someday I would find something that I could do, but it was not at all like, I'm going to do this thing that's bridal and I'm going to launch, you know, I'm going to grow to be a big designer. That just was not at all my vision. I just was like, Hey, I can make extra money and help. You know, I was like living, you know, with a roommate, but single income living in DC on a brand new salary right out of school. I mean, just everything was it was it was crazy. So anyways, I thought this is great, like extra money. But basically what happened was it just kept growing. And so I started in that retail environment on Etsy. And then I kind of realized over the first two to three years that the way the bridal industry works is as a designer, you really get your designs in more shops by selling wholesale. And that you don't have to do as much of the legwork to sell every single piece when you work with a store who carries your line and they sell it for you. And so it seems you a ton of time. And I, I was doing all the selling on these Etsy conversations and that's just so time consuming. And especially you can imagine with bridal, it's like, is this ivory or white or natural white or diamond white or off white or, you know, and it was just like, oh man, this would be so much easier if this was in a store. And so I realized I'm going to start pursuing wholesale. And so I did that and grew my business just one store at a time, walking into a store, emailing, setting up an appointment, bringing my stuff in a big box, like a cardboard box and just laying it out on their couch. And Alter Bridal in Park Place in Town Center was my, my first store in Kansas City. And then I went into something white. And then I went into All My Heart Bridal and Lee Summit and just kind of kept growing outwards from where I live to, okay, let's go to Missouri. Okay, let's go to wherever. And so that happened. And then I found myself in 2016 taking my line to New York Bridal Market. And that's where you really go as a designer to really reach an international market. And 
and get, you know, stores, not just kind of one off, you know, here I, I reached out via email and they bought an order, but to go and actually really scale your business. And so I did that and I doubled my, my stores that I was in. Um, and I went from like nine stores to 20 stores and I am still just a one girl operation. Like I'm making every single thing or buying the trim and, you know, creating sashes and veils and, And so I just kind of, you know, found myself in a really growing, a a quickly growing and profitable business while my life continued to change and grow. And my, the seasons I was in was, was changing kind of on the other side of life. And actually eight weeks before I went to New York bridal market, I found out that I was pregnant with my second daughter. And so that was a little bit of a, oh my gosh, like, okay, this is not what I thought, you know, this is not how I pictured this going. I thought I was going to go to New York and have a good time and like go to all these, like they have parties at the, for people who are involved in market and all this stuff. And I was like, well, this blows like, this is going to be no fun at all, but you know, it was great. And I, I did grow a lot at market and it kind of opened the door for me into the rest of you know, what bridal world really was all about. And, and anyways, so I, you know, that was only a couple years ago. I mean, 2016, the fall. And I, I guess I just found myself in the last year realizing that I was not passionate about bridal accessories anymore. I won't say I lost my desire to serve my clients or create beautiful things for them and serve brides. And I still believe in that. I believe in, you know, helping people feel as beautiful as they really are. Like that's kind of how I approached it was this isn't making you more pretty. It's just making you feel as good as you should feel, you know? And so I believed in it. I just was like, it's not my passion anymore. And my life looks so different. I have two kids under four and what my time looks like to be up in my office creating these pieces. And, you know, obviously I couldn't handle the volume by myself anymore. So it it became, okay, I've got to outsource. I've got to find suppliers and vendors and, and other people who can help me create and, it was just a lot of it, it had sh- a lot had shifted and so so that's where i found myself about i would say probably a year ago was when that first that that thought kind of first surfaced that i realized i was no longer in love with the business that i was running well i loved hearing from you that like you didn't lose your love for serving your customers or even that necessarily that industry or how you were serving them but like literally just what you were offering and i think that that's a, an important thing to call out because i think I know I've seen it happen with myself and with us here at Conversations at TCC and in our own community of of feeling kind of guilty when you're like hitting a wall where you're like, but this isn't really what I wanted to do anymore. This specific aspect isn't how I wanted to grow or what I wanted my business to look like, but it doesn't mean that I'm not still in love with the process and like figuring out what that next step could be. So I know a lot of people like kind of wake up and get that feeling and they just like burn it all to the ground and they like go back and get a regular job or they go try something completely new from scratch. What were your steps and how long did you kind of go through that mental transition? You said you were feeling that for about a year, but what were you doing? I really struggled. That was honestly the hardest part for me of this whole process. It was really coming to terms with the fact that I may not be the girl with the bridal accessories business because, you know, I ran that business. Um, so it started in 2011 and, and I only just sold it in June. So that was seven years and that's longer than I've had either of my kids. It's as long as I've been married. And so it was so integrated into my identity 
of like who I thought I was as a professional, who I thought I was as a woman, who I believed other people expected me to be and how I was showing up in the world, you know, and, and for me, something that has always been really like core to kind of how I think about myself is, you know, I'm love to create beauty, whatever that looks like, how it shifted in different seasons, but like creating beauty. And so like making and being made. So like I myself want to be being made more beautiful and kind of like that diamond getting refined and letting the the fire and the trials of life, like refine me and turn me into something more pure. I also want to be creating that in the world in some way. And so I kind of thought when that thought entered in that I may not be doing this, like then what, then like what happens to that. And is that just all for nothing? Have I just built this thing that's going to disappear and be meaningless? And was it all like just a waste of time? And, you know, and I kind of, I was, I struggled a lot with that because I really still believed in that. And that was still what I wanted to do and what I felt like called to do in this world. And, and so detaching the business from my purpose as a human being and like my identity as a person was step one. And and I had to realize that I was not my work. I was not, I as a person am more than the submission of what I produce or create. You know, I just am. I am, I am worthy That's beyond heavy. what I create. That's heavy. That's heavy to say. It's heavy to feel. And we don't live like that a lot of times, I think, you know, especially those of us who are super ambitious and driven and go-getters. And we're just like, we can conquer the world and and we can but we we miss a huge piece when we think that that is all we can do and that our worth is it lies in how much we can conquer or how much we can create or produce and i am like the queen of all achievers like i think of myself as i i'm all about achieve cross off the list do 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 more is more and that's a dangerous rope to walk because it's never actually enough. You know, it's, you'll never get to the end of that rope. It just, it doesn't exist. And so, and you can burn out, like you said, you do. I mean, yeah, you're a falling star and you, you can burn out if you're not careful of, of really how you think about your work in relation to your identity. And so that for me was number one was I am not my work. My worth is greater than what I can create or build in any business. And if that is true, I went to a, an event at church where I really like that message just resounded in my mind loud and clear. I am not my work. And that was the first time I had really believed or, or heard that or thought that. And when I, when I started to imagine that that could be true, it actually freed me. Like it completely freed me. Okay. So if I'm not my work, I don't have to only do this one business. This is not the only business I can create beauty in the world in. This is not the only one way I can create meaningful work and show up. Yeah. And and that was so freeing. Like that one thing is what was the catalyst for me in all of the rest of what has happened since then. I think personally, I'm, I'm still learning that lesson and figuring out what that means for me. Our listeners who've been around for a minute have probably heard my anxiety seep through this podcast all year long in the journey that we've been going on to find out what do we want like as individual peoples and as an identity outside of this business and any other business or any other identity, any other hat that we put on? What do I want outside of being a mother and being a wife and being a business owner? and being a creative, like what does that look like? And understanding that all of those pieces, yes, they help shape me and make me up as a whole person. It's it, 
it's never truly one thing. But I think for so long, I did the exact same thing that you did. It's just relied so heavily on this identity as making me like worthy for anyone's time or support or appreciation or love or whatever. And I'm slowly, it is not a fast process at all, like slowly kind of letting the grip of that release this year. And it's still a process. It's still a thing. I think it's really interesting to hear that version from someone else. If you're having all these emotions and I think at this point, the audience, if it hasn't been clear, Haley ended up selling the business. But (laughs) (laughs) let's be clear, Haley sold the business. But I mean, obviously, there is a million things you could have done with those emotions. Like you could have shut it down. You could have left it all astray. You could have stopped everything and done something else. What was your rationale specifically between choosing to sell versus choosing to keep the brand and the audience and sell something different or pivot to something that felt more aligned with your current passions? Yeah, totally. So I should also add in before I answer that, that I, so I mentioned that I went to journalism school. So my actual official training was in writing and I, I actually kind of veered down the web design path when I was in school. So I self-taught myself how to design in WordPress and, and I, I had been building that business kind of on the side of also doing bridal this whole time. And so I kind of always had this duality in my, in my work where I was creating with my hands and I was creating with my laptop. And I loved jumping back and forth between both because, you know, as a creative, like people get that you love the digital side and you love building that business online, but sometimes you just want to make something or you just want to craft or like get your hands dirty. And so I think that I, you know, as I realized, okay, I just don't feel like I'm in love with this anymore. And I started to imagine what that would look like. I started to also kind of, okay, if I don't do that, I can maybe build this web design business and do more with that. Or maybe I'm going to start selling templates or I started imagining like all the different directions that that could take. And I realized that really for me to leave the yellow peony to my bridal business, I would either have to completely shut it down or sell it. And I just, I told my husband, we had this conversation as I'm sure you guys understand you're, you know, they're like your, your therapist half the time. And you're like, okay, I don't know what to do with this. Like I could keep it. I could keep running it. I could just be like this, you know, absentee owner and find people to fill in the gaps for me and do all this stuff. But for me, I needed to be kind of true to myself and what I wanted to do and what I wanted my life to look like and how I wanted to align my passions with what I was doing and spending my very precious little working hours doing. Because I mentioned I have two little kids and I don't like have 40 hours a week to sit at a laptop and do all the things. I have very a few hours. And so I just realized like it came down to I'm either going to shut it down and this is kind of like just going to be the end or I can sell it, which means I have to really get okay with like disconnecting that from my identity. And what if it fails in the hands of someone else? Like, what if it just dies, you know? And that was really hard. Like I could give this to someone else or sell it and she could do whatever she wants. I mean, she can turn it into whatever and and lose my vision or whatever. And it's not my vision anymore. It's not about me. And so that was a hard thing too. But yeah, I just determined that selling was the right way to go. And I began that process. So I can share a little bit if you want about like what that looked like. Yes, please. (laughs) Okay, so- 
I've never done this before, as I'm sure, you know, most people have not sold a business at 30. And so what I did was, to be honest, I googled how to sell a business. And I started just researching. And so I learned, you know, you can go kind of the way you would sell a house, you can sell it outright yourself, or you can work with a broker, and you can sell it through an agent, and they'll take a fee. And all of that. And I think most of them have minimums of like ten dollars to $20,000 fee to sell, to broker the deal. And so I talked a little bit with my accountant and he was like, you know, that just doesn't really make a lot of sense for you. I would consider what you can do like without an agent. And so I found a website called Biz Buy Sell where you can literally list your website for or list your um, business for sale. So it's essentially a Craigslist for businesses. And I didn't even know it existed. So I found this website and you know, was browsing and was like, is this legit? Like, I can't believe people actually just buy and sell businesses on a website. And they do. And so you can buy an ad essentially for your to list your business for three months. And so I did that. It was like 250 bucks for three months. And you list all of the the facts, kind of the the description. Here's what the business is, the, you know, the high-level numbers. So like gross revenue, net revenue, expenses, blah, 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 that kind of stuff. And so I did all of that and kind of thought, you know, worst case scenario, this is a waste of $200 and nothing will ever come of it. And that's fine. And I'll find some, I'll figure something else out. And it actually took a month for me to get an inquiry. But with within a month, I did get an email from someone who was interested and we met for lunch. We talked about, and they were all, they were both local in Kansas city also. So that was weird. Cause I, I thought maybe it would be international or like anywhere in the country, but they were both local. So you can search locally for the business. And within two weeks of that first email, I got a second inquiry from someone else who was interested. And we had lunch as well. And I basically kind of decided between the two interested parties who felt like the easiest person for me to work with in the transition, because obviously there's a lot of transition that happens when you sell a business. It's not like you just sell it and walk away. Okay, bye. Yeah. So yeah, I just like, was like, hey, I let's move forward. And, you know, she made me an offer. I agreed. And that started after we had lunch and, you know, discuss all the specifics that began the formal purchase process, which is also really similar to when you buy a house, there's a contract and, you know, a letter of understanding that kind of outlines any verbal agreements that you've made and, and kind of gets both parties on the same, uh, the same page. And then once the contract is finalized, you both agree to it, you sign it. And I mean, you start transferring over all the assets. So like the website, all of the, you know, graphic design, all of the buyers, suppliers, all the customer information, like all of that. So, I mean, that happened June 27th. So two months ago. And so we're two months into our transition plan, which is a a nine month plan, but we're, so we're in like month two of, of that. And, and I'm working with her once a week to kind of teach her and train her on everything she needs to know. And it's going really well. It's going awesome. Actually. I was going to, yeah. yeah. What is that like (laughs) that that working with her? She's awesome. I really like, I really like her as a person and we get along, which is why I chose her to buy the business. But so it's really like kind of like hanging out with a friend and talking business, talking shop. So, you know, I'm just teaching her the ropes of like what I do and how I have run the business and, but also giving her the creative freedom to say, okay, hey, I'm going to try this new product. And I'm, you know, I'm just kind of watching from the sidelines and letting her make those calls, but advising where I need to. And, I've still been pretty involved to this point. And so, yeah, it's, but it's been so great and it's really been fun. And 
I didn't expect to be as relieved as I am to see someone running it successfully and like continuing business as usual, but bringing her own flair and her own vision and excitement, you know, and really her own passion to a business that I started and which is just so cool. It's like, this is awesome. Like I can't, I'm so happy that I didn't just give up or close it and say, sorry, that season of my life is over, but go, you know what? What if, if I can be brave enough to allow someone else to take over something that I started and take it in a new and fun direction, this can, this can live on. It doesn't have, like, I am not the end of the road, you know? And so I, that was just, it's been really cool actually to see that. Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com slash jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com slash jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get Get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. 
After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. How did it financially work? Like I, I definitely already looked at the website just now. So I'm like, I'm seeing like people are listing their cash flow and then it goes for some sort of lump sum. Did she, does the consulting, like, is that included or like, are you continuing to be paid as like someone who's basically still participating to some extent during that transition period? Right. So, I mean, without like getting too specific, because I, I know I can't legally share the exact numbers and you can edit out whatever you need to here. But so basically our transition plan kind of outlined what our working relationship would look like for the time that I'm helping her. And within that, I agreed to certain duties or responsibilities. So, so me meeting with her once a week and doing that consulting that you're talking about is, is included in the purchase price of the business because that's required for her to be successful, you know? And so anything that was kind of like, this is understood that I, you will need to be trained. And it was, you know, once a week for three months, and then the three to six months would be once a month. And then six to nine was by phone and email. So it kind of tapers off so that she has support and I'm always available, but you know, just so there's a structure in place for us both to know what to expect and her to really get someone to be involved as she's taking this to the next, you know, the next season of its life. And so financially, yeah, so she made me an offer and, and that deal looked like essentially paying me over the course of that nine months. So it was broken out that way. So now you are you focusing on the web design business solely now because you have what, four out of five days of your week back? Are you working just one day a week with? Right. So yeah, I mean, I'm meeting with her. It's two hours on once a week. So it's not like a full day. And yeah, and I work, you know, I don't know how your guys' schedules are, but I, my, my kids are in preschool. So I mean, I have like a Tuesday, Thursday is my really good chunk work days. And then I work during naps, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then evenings whenever I need to. So, you know, you just make it work. But so yes, I've already noticed a huge change in my availability for my other work. But but really out of that, out of this this whole process came the realization that I wasn't doing something that I was passionate about. And I was, I just had a lot of clarity that what I wanted to do was to continue to serve women, but not women who were buying bridal accessories, but women who were trying to do what I was, what I was able to do, which was launch a business that they, that aligned with their passions, skills, and interests and helping them do that. So now I've moved into coaching and have a course that has uh, run through its beta version and will be relaunching in the next eight weeks. And so round two is coming up and I've, yeah, I'm, I'm just refining the content for that course. And I've never just felt more energized by the work that I'm doing than I do now. So it's, you know, it's just confirmation that, you know, it was all the right move and the right thing at the right time. Well, and we get asked all the time about like, you know, how did you know that like creating courses is something you wanted to do? And how did you know that this is, this particular course is going to be successful? And I'm like, you don't know until like you do the grunt work that gives you the idea and the momentum and the audience audience to make the thing that you know that or you trust then that will work. I think everyone forgets like we put on those rose colored glasses of just assuming that like you woke up one day and you're like, I'm going to make this course for this other, you know, type of business. And it'll gross $100,000 in 45 days. Right. right. 
No, no, no. That's not how this works. Exactly. So it's if only, if only, right? It's always interesting for me to see that that all of these things that lead up to these different pivots and these different businesses and these different ways of serving our people and making money. So tell us a little bit more about the program because I know doors are opening. Like by the time this airs, probably really soon. Yeah, totally. So it's called Launch What You Love, 60 Days to Launch a Business That You Love. And basically, I take people through eight weeks of practical strategy and the blueprint of how I started my business, grew it, scaled it. And and I don't teach people how to sell a business, but basically all the way through the life cycle of, of then you know scaling and, and growing a business digitally. So we talk about things like, how do I know I have the right idea? How to actually make sure you have the right business model and are profitable? How to pick the right niche audience? How to create your brand, digital strategy, website, email, blogging, social. So it's kind of a beginning to end A to Z of everything I wish that I had had when I first started the LP&E in 2011 and just literally was like, what's the next thing? I guess I need a website. I guess I need a line sheet. I guess I need, you know, a Facebook page, all of that. And instead of you just figuring it out and kind of, you know, making mistakes to the, on the road to success, just giving you the blueprint and here's what I did. And, and so, yeah, the first round that I, I took students through was so fun and just really awesome to see people come away with, like a business model and actually knowing here's what I sell, here's how much it costs and here's how much I'm going to make when I sell this and and I know I'm profitable if I sell this. Because so often we get we go backwards. We're like, I'm really good at this thing here, you know, I'm going to sell it to you. Oh shoot, I'm not making any money. Like, you know, and we do it that way all the time and it's okay like to to, you know, make your mistakes and and find your way there, but but gosh, like wouldn't it be great if you didn't have to you know, always back your way into to success and maybe, maybe actually just move forward into it. So I'm really excited about that. I have like so many ideas. Like I'm, I'm sitting here thinking Emily could make her husband start the coffee shop. She's always been talking about because literally she could buy a business that already exists. <laughs> and there's like a location. I don't know. It's crazy. Abby's going to know find me a business to buy. <laughs> yeah. You guys are going to be like, on the website That's the rest I'm of the day. Do for like the next six months for my husband because he need he needs something to do. It's pretty interesting that like because for me I'm a starter. Yeah. I don't know about you guys. I'm just a starter. I'm really good at starting, but I'm not so good at maintaining. And so I think why this website and you know this concept of buying a business is is attractive is for the people who are not like they don't want the startup phase. They want to bypass that. And she's told you know she's like I didn't want to just slog through all the details of getting it started, finding the products, you know, or making the products like I, the processes. I just wanted to, you know, to really scale this. And she's good at that. She knows how to, how to improve processes that are already in place. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, perfect. This is awesome because you have the skills that I may not have in this business and you can do what's needed now. And something that she identified really early on when we were talking was she was like, you know, Haley, like sometimes, and she's, she's a very like seasoned business owner, entrepreneur type lady. She was like, you know, sometimes you just, every business gets to a point where it needs a new fresh infusion of cash in order to grow to the next level. It just does. You can't just forever shoestring it. You've at some point you get to a point where you've like kind of topped out what you're able to do on that shoestring budget. And you just need to pour cash into it to see it jump to the next level. And I was like, 
that is exactly where I'm at. You totally get this. Like you understand, you, you hear me, you see me. And I felt so like taken care of in that sense that she knew what it needed and was going to be able to do that. And I was like, ding, ding, yeah. that's perfect. I mean, I was so relieved and there's, by that. There's no part of you that's like, oh, maybe I could figure out how to scale it if it's going to be mega profitable. You're like, no, 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 I need to let it go. Yeah. You know, and that's where it's like the personal like clarity thing with like what I want out of my own life comes in because it was just like, yeah, you know, I guess I could have and, and might've been the person to do that. And I asked that question of myself, like, should I be the one to do it? And, you know, again, my husband came in really key and was just like, but that's not where your heart is. And this is where business is not all just numbers. You know, your heart needs to be involved and engaged, um, especially when it's a business you're running yourself, because it is just really hard. If you aren't passionate, it's too hard to be worth it. In my opinion, in my experience, I think, yes, that you can, you know, you can go to a job you hate every day, but going to a job in a lot of senses is easier than running a business because you get to leave. But you don't, you don't ever get to leave that business that is knocking at your doorstep at 9 p.m. when a client has an, a question and you're like, oh my gosh, like you better love what you're doing or you're just going to find yourself really burnt out. So, so yeah, I mean, no, I feel no, no, no sadness or regret. I'm envious of your clarity. Like I love that just like solid clarity feeling of, of knowing what was right for you. Yeah. I'd be curious how. Like, how do you feel like that kind of settled as like, I mean, I know we already talked about the, how did you decide, but the clarity behind it, what made you like, were there certain things you worked through or talked through or had conversations about to let that piece of you go? Cause it's the holding onto it is the part that I just can't quite grasp. Yeah, I totally hear you there. And yeah, so the first thing was what I mentioned earlier, I am not my work. And that was like, honestly, the open door for me to realize, okay, if I'm not my work, then I'm actually okay. If I sell this business, I will be okay. My identity is not in this. I believe that my identity is found in who created me, not what I create. And so ultimately, that's what enabled me to say, you know what, I'm going to be okay. Like, I'm okay if I lose a piece of what I feel is my identity because it's not the core of who I am. And so I'm not my work was number one. And then the second thing I did was I fast forwarded five years and I thought, okay, if I just keep going on the path I'm on right now, where does that leave me in five years? What does my life look like? And I asked myself that question and really kind of envisioned like if I keep this pattern up of how I'm working and how I, that where my time is going every week, like what's going to change in five years? It's and, and honestly, it wasn't the place that I saw was not a place I would have chosen. It was just somewhere I would have ended up as a result mm-hmm. of the path I was on. And so Ooh, I feel like there's going to be so many like quotes from this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I just, that was really eye opening for me and a little scary too. Cause I was like, oh shoot, I don't think I'm doing this right. If, if I don't like where I'm headed in five years, well, something's got to change because this is my life. You know, I'm not, I'm not running this business for the sake of the business. I'm doing it for like, it needs to serve me. And so when I realized like in five years, I wasn't going to love what it looked like. I realized something had to change. And so the question is, what's going to change? Is it going to be the business or is it going to be me? 
And I think that's what kind of led me to the next thing was I realized that I just, I wasn't passionate about it. So I would either have to somehow muster up enough passion to re-engage, kind of do what she said with like, okay, I've got to infuse more cash, which means for me, maybe fiscal capital, maybe emotional capital, like time capital, all of these things that have got to, I've got to like re restart, plug back in. And I've got to like push this thing to the next level. And I just, when I thought of that, I felt like depleted. Like I wanted to lay on the couch and take a nap. Like I just couldn't, I couldn't envision it. I was like, I don't see myself doing it. I just don't. And so the next question that I asked myself that I would say, you know, if you're at a spot like this with a business is you've got to ask yourself, do you love it? Do you love what you're doing? And if you don't, then you need to reevaluate. And there's three things that could be true if you don't love it. Either you have changed, so that would be your desires or your circumstances, something about your life. The business has changed, so in some way, shape, or form, the business has evolved or grown beyond what it used to be, or it's just not the right time. So maybe you and the business are a perfect fit, but you have a three-day-old baby at home, okay? I can tell you why this feels hard, because you have a newborn, or you are, you know, sending kids to college and you've got, you know, that transition happening and it just feels like I don't have what this business needs from me right now. Okay. It's probably a timing thing. So, but for me, I knew it wasn't really a timing thing. It had to be either me or the business. And I think it was really both. The business had changed what its needs were had changed and what my needs and interests were had changed. So I just realized I didn't love it and it wasn't going to make sense for me to keep going. And then the fourth thing that I asked what, or that I started really doing was starting before I'm ready. So I started preparing my heart and mind and business to sell. So I actually, in the fall was when I first had these thoughts. So about a year ago, and I didn't list the business until April. So I took the next, you know, six months to really start looking at my processes. How do I do everything I do? And could someone take this over? So I started removing myself from the business as much as possible and stepping out and creating processes and automation where I could so that I could train someone to come in and take it over. And then the last thing was that I had to get comfortable being uncomfortable because leaving something that you have become really good at, even if you don't love it, is is really uncomfortable and awkward to leave that thing. And you have to learn to be a beginner again in a lot of senses because you're no longer the the seasoned pro at a thing, you're now a beginner at a thing. And that's both selling a business and growing a different business. So you know, so getting comfortable with that feeling of discomfort and awkwardness, and I'm not quite sure what I'm doing, but I'm just kind of figuring it out. That is a season and I don't believe it lasts forever, but it is a real part of selling a business or kind of moving on to the next stage of life. So that was kind of what my process looked like. Well, that was essentially talk strategy to me. So thank you for sharing those steps. And I know people are are going to want to like listen to this on repeat unless maybe just me. I don't know. We'll see. But I'd love for you to share at this time where people can hang out with you, where they can find information about the course you have coming out and any other last minute things you want to toss in. Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me at HaleyWilliams.co. And that is my coaching website. And I have a free download that people can get to actually get clarity on what their ideal business may be. And it's called four ways to find your ideal business. And there's a button in the upper right hand corner, you can click to grab that guide. But yeah, that's kind of what I have my students walk through when they first are starting to really make sure like that the business that they're doing is what they're passionate about since 
you know, I found myself in one that I wasn't. So that's where they can find me. And you can edit this part out if you want. But I have a podcast called Kindled, which is all uh, talking about work and motherhood and the grace we need for both, since that's kind of where my life intersects right now is work and motherhood. So that's where I'm at. I love that. Thank you so much, Haley. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for having me. This was awesome. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor. To get podcast updates and all the behind the scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show, but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.